Howdy, campers! This is Respawn Aim Fire, episode 115. <laughs> We're the Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming Podcast. My name is Chad Michael Ennis. That's Holden DePardo. Hi. And you're you, and that's why we love you. We are three lifelong friends just gathering here to talk about video games, and this is not my real accent. I just love to talk like this. Catch a ride! Catch a ride! <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tired episode today, but I'm going to giggle through it. Get ready and take me away. Oh, sorry, we were just speaking of this, and I sung at the ceiling, and I saw. Did you guys get the cool poster when you and Dallas went to go see uh, Avengers Endgame again? There was a poster. Yeah, I got a cool poster. Oh, I don't know about that. It was that. the We Love You Three Thousand poster with the Thanos Iron Man gauntlet. Oh, that's beautiful. Now it's hanging up on my whistle. <laughs> Oh, man, have we got a pocket full of sunshine for you today. (laughs) You guys like PUBG? Guess what? You're going to like it more now. You guys like A Way Out? We thought it was meh, but maybe the next one's also meh. Was Kratos about to get canned? Who knows? Find out next time on Inside Edition. But for tonight, we're going to start by talking about... What do we got first? Well, we're going to talk about... The quest log for Nintendo. We've got a few things on our list here to mention that are Nintendo-related. First of which is Super Mario Maker 2, that sweet-ass new game that just came out that Holden will give us impressions of later. Currently lets you I upload... impressions. Just... Uh, they are technically impressions. You played 30 minutes and it made some okay. kind of impression on you. This is true. Uh, lets you upload just 32 courses, says Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. Um, this is... So whenever you create levels, which is what Mario Maker is all about, you have 32 that you can upload online. Uh, Apparently people are not happy. The first one for reference, Mario Maker on Wii U had a limit of 10, but due to like thumbs up and people liking it, you could expand that to almost up to 100. It is yet to be seen if that is part of this game or might be implemented at a later date, but currently you got 32. So make them count, people, and stop making trash levels. Yeah, I think it's just to combat spam, but it is kind of frustrating because some people are going to want to do it a lot more, and they kind of feel like they're going to have to limit what they're able to upload. Mm-hmm. Also, how much how much is it really? T- how much server space does it take to put a Mario level up there? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I, I, I'm not a scientist either. But yeah, that's why I'd we imagine- don't know. That's why we don't make these decisions. Well, here's the thing, though. Here, how they can make it really easy, so it uses almost like very little space, is you just have a system that knows which pieces are where and then whenever you load a level it just moves the existing right you don't have to worry about sending the assets you just it's an xml file basically it says this block at this location exactly so you don't even have to have anything besides like essentially a text document stored on the server so it's not a space thing it's got to be a spam thing it's gotta be gotta keep that quality of life up oh speaking of nintendo quality of life that initiative is still alive but it has no link to the Pokemon <laughs> Sleep thing that was just revealed. This comes from Liam Doolin. It's like pooping. But if you take the two Ps and replace them with a D and a land, it's Doolin. <laughs> I'm Nintendo sure Liam life. appreciates that. He does good stuff. <laughs> um, uh, so at its 79th shareholders meeting, happy birthday, Nintendo shareholder meetings. Uh, they, <laughs> there was a quote. Happy birthday to you. There was a quote that says, the vitality sensor is alive. Just kidding. That was not part of it. But this is. <laughs> a while ago, we announced that we were trying a new business developing a product that would increase quality of life. Development is continuing. We cannot yet proudly announce it as a Nintendo product. Pokemon Sleep is the company's, is the Pokemon companies and not related to Nintendo's quality of life. What do you think it is? 
I, I was just going to ask you, I have no idea. Like, the only thing I can think of is you, you go to sleep and Nintendo has, like, the Matrix thing plugged in the back of your head. Yeah. And you can just dream playing Mario levels and playing, you know, Breath of the Wild and stuff. Here's what I think it is. It's not gaming related I don't at think all. that's really what it is. They're just selling Dr. Scholl's foot insoles. For quality of life improvements. That's it. Not even Nintendo no, branded. They, They're just going to open a Dr. Scholl's store. <laughs> all of the rumors and things from patents have pointed it to being something sleeping related. Um, but that'd be really funny if it was just like, hey guys, uh, we made uh, Velcro that's silent. Isn't that a I mean, great that quality dope, of life though. improvement? Yes, I've been working on it for a decade now. My Ninja Turtle <laughs> shoes would be so much cooler if they were quiet. Just kidding. I don't have Velcro Ninja Turtle shoes, but I fucking wish I did. I do have two pair of Harry Potter shoes. That's fucking right. Next up, speaking of two pairs, there might be two new Switch models. And this says, key to rumored Switch Pro and Lite models may be in new Tegra chip. This has nothing to do with Tigers. What do they dream of? Nobody knows, but they hypothesize in Hangover. <laughs> what do Tigers <laughs> dream of when they take a little Tiger? Who's Nadia Oxford from US Gamers says, another digital foundry breakdown, this time for the Tegra X1 update in the new rumored Switch models. Quote, the Switch will offer better performance and or better battery life. Ledbetter, editor. Ledbetter? better, Leadbetter. The Arbiter. <laughs> the Arbiter says <laughs> he's uncertain what differentiates the new Tegra chip from the older design other than fixing the recent hardware hack of the Switch. Yeah, that's because kind of their old reference, news. It's kind of old news, but that's something that Apple, not Apple, Nintendo would want to combat still yeah um this also is makes sense because they're not going to an x2 chip they're still keeping the x1 is what it sounds like it's like what would the difference really actually be just it's probably exploit yeah i don't really know what it would be but he also says here that it wouldn't be a revelatory increase in system performance it'd be less significant than 3ds to new 3ds and as we know from that there was not many games that were exclusive to the new 3ds no but there like, was a significant jump in power though do you, you ever play Smash Bros. on one or the other? I have only played Smash Bros. on a new 3DS. I, a friend at work in the break room was playing on the old one. It was shit a clock. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, remember when they reviewed it? The oh, Maybe this wasn't a difference between that, but it was the Zelda fighty game. <laughs> oh, that's Hyrule, right. Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. And it, was and it ran like hot trash. One. Yeah, it ran like hot trash. I do remember that now. It got a 4.5 on IGN because of it. Yeah, it did. Represent <laughs> that low half of the spectrum. <laughs> Nintendo, not looking too hot. Yeah, yeah not a lot of great stories here for them this week. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The quality of life thing is, is kind of nice. It's still happening. I, I'm very curious what it is. I'm, I just I want to tease on that. I think from um, this, they're doomed. I think they're doomed. They're done. It's over. Put a stake <laughs> in it. They're forks. Well, yeah, I got that for Nintendo. That's it. That's like <laughs> for Nintendo. I was trying to think of a segue to go into like, well, I didn't like Borderlands Two, but you did. You tell me about Borderlands no, Two. No, but you know what? You uh, you did play a Nintendo game this week, and that was the only game you played. What was it, Holden? Oh, I played a little bit of Super Mario Maker Two, and I only Ooh, did a handful of story and you missions. Love it and you beat all hundred levels. No. I'm not going to share my presence of it until later on, but I can do more of the creator stuff um, and play more of the single player because I have not really played that much of it at all. Hold on, I literally promised the people that you would share impressions. Oh my gosh! I okay. promised them five minutes ago. 
Give me oh, one. You probably, I thought give me you one made it seem of... like on Twitter or something that you promised people, and now I'm like, okay, fine, no, I have to. They can rewind <laughs> and find that promise on this episode. But that was a promise or false accusation. That was not true. No. Yes. <laughs> that does Hold not on, count. Just give me one thing. Does it look pretty? <laughs> oh, it looks like a Mario game. It looks like Super Mario World. It looks like Super Mario Bros. 3. And it looks like Super Mario uh, 3D World. Those are objective facts. I need something <laughs> subjective and judgmental. Okay, fine. So I have liked that when I started level, it's like, oh, this is the art style they're choosing this time. Oh, it's this okay, kind of Mario Okay, that's it. Game. That's all I need to know. Yep. There we go. <laughs> no, there's I'm just an impression. Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> no, that's an impression. I gave an impression. Oh, <laughs> uh, now do an impression of singular... Randy Newman. Who's Randy Newman? You got branded me. Oh, that's Randy Newman. All right, fine. I'll offer a little bit more. So, uh, I'm. It's refreshing that it's a 2D Mario game that's not about saving Peach. Oh. It has nothing to do with that. It's just about building your castle broke because um, a dog accidentally stepped on a button to self-destruct the castle or something like that. And was it Poochie from Yoshi? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. And now maybe it was no no not poochie definitely not poochie um and now you have to basically rebuild up the castle again by completing levels and getting coins to pay for pay for the castle very different than other mario games but it makes sense and it kind of makes you want to collect more coins in the levels because there's actually a reason to like you could do less levels and complete the castle because you collected so many coins in each level it's kind of like a ooh, i wonder how fast i can do this But then when you do say, hey, I'm going to spend, you know, 600 coins on the main first floor of the of the castle, you then have to do a certain number of levels to complete that. Oh, so it's not just about paying the money. You also have to have the experience and know how to build it. Yeah, no, not the experience. Yeah, Yeah, you have to use the Joy-Cons and like hammer and stuff. It's it's really kind of a pain in the ass, actually. Odd mechanics. Yeah. Don't know why they chose to to have that in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't Um, do that. Holden, two things. One, I now you're thinking, got me thinking I might buy that. I've been thinking, okay, stop it. Speak in sentences. You should. Speak in sentences. Because we can play online together. I've been thinking about getting a new Switch game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm kind of in that state where you have so many things you could play that you don't really want to play any of them and you don't know what to play. Yeah, I know that feeling. And so I play a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so I almost bought Crash Team Racing today. And now I'm thinking maybe I won't buy that and maybe I'll buy Mario Maker instead. I don't know. Do what you should do is get a Nintendo voucher. It's like a hundred bucks and it's for two games. Super Mario Maker is one of them, and then use it for Link's Awakening. No, I'm not gonna do that. You should do that. You should do that. No. I won't do it. Alright. Just do it. <laughs> um, you should just thing. tell me about your nights in the woods. Wait, wait, wait. Second thing. Three oh. minutes ago, three oh. minutes ago, you said less levels. It's fewer levels. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> Hold on. Thank you for asking me what I played this week. One, I played Borderlands Two. Yes, we are done with it, but I'm still playing it, working towards that sweet ass platinum trophy. There are a couple of things that I need people for. I need someone to squish me in the trash compactor. <laughs> I need it for a trophy. And I also need... Uh, I already deleted else. it off my PlayStation. No, I'm so not going to play. I'm putting this out to our lifelong friends because I know you're a worthless piece of shit that hated the game. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he did hate the game. Listen to our thingy with uh, with Dallas and Alex. Dallas and Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I'm going to giggle through this one. 
Um, that's out. You can listen to our barf impressions for Borderlands 2. But uh, yeah, if you guys are still playing over the next two months, I am still playing and I need some help. You're going to burn yourself out before Borderlands 3 comes out. Hey, Just listen. Saying. I don't Just burn saying. things. You don't I'm burn not things. That is accurate. Chris You're not an arsonist. Evans. Chris Evans? Chris Evans. Oh, I thought you said on. Grist. Flame on? Oh, yeah, that's right. He was... He was Michael B. Jordan in Fantastic Four. (laughs) (laughs) Chad, tell me about Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods. This is a boring-ass game. (laughs) (laughs) It's a boring-ass, boring fucking game that Daniel Reguera has been bugging me to play for the last 96 years. (laughs) And I bought it and downloaded it to my Switch like... Four months ago, I don't know three. What is time? It's a flat circle. I bought it and I just had it on my Switch. And like I said, I'm just like I don't know what to play. I have so many things to play. I don't know what. Uh. So then I jumped into it, and uh, it's a talky talky game. And that's literally the whole game is just oh, how am I gonna spend my game? Okay, so here you are. You're a cat. First, mistake. I've lost already. I don't, First I don't mistake. Like this game. You're a cat. <laughs> Second mistake, you look stoned the whole time because you're the color of your eyes. Third mistake, it's literally just like, I'm a cat. I dropped out of college. I'm going to go home and see how sad my life is and how sad all of my friends' lives are. And we found an arm on the ground today, a severed arm, and everyone's just making jokes about it, and no one actually takes it seriously. And then I'm walking around this town, and it's literally just day by day, I'm going to go to the Seven Eleven and see my best friend he's like dude i'm so glad you're here great let's go to band practice later cool i'm gonna walk down the street i'm gonna go into another building he's like oh dude hey you're home from school that's weird guess you couldn't cut it i lost my job today cool let me go to the next person it's just that kind of stuff over and over and then you go to day two and you see how those conversations just ever so slightly change and update based on each day and i'm bored as hell and I've played it for like an hour and a half. But I'm going to power through for Daniel because he loves it so fucking much and he can't stop talking about it. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to go to how long to beat right now because if it's any more than four hours, <laughs> I might stab myself in the neck. How it's going to be more than four hours, I bet. Night in the woods. Howlongtobeat.com is the tits, by the way. Eight and a half hours. <laughs> Not only is it more than what you wanted, it's more than double what you wanted oh, at the time. Oh my god. <laughs> I will play for a total of three hours. And when those three hours are up, if I have not figured out why people like this game, I'm done. That's it. That's all I played this week. That's it. That's all, right. all I could do. And I sat down and took a big old piss. That's cool, because we got some stuff to talk about. Oh, we got like, stuff on stuff on stuff. Like the quest, po- quest log for our third-party shit. Go, Holden. Yeah, so Dead Space Creator's new studio to develop PUBG's narrative experience. Uh, Glenn Schofield, uh, former head of such Hammer Games, Schofield. Games. Oh, sorry, Schofield. Um, former uh, head of the Substitute Games and Visceral Games, Visceral Games, where he worked on Call of Duty and Dead Space, is working on an original narrative experience with the PUBG universe. He said that he wanted it to be kind of outside the Battle Royale experience. So I really have no idea what this is going to be. Yeah, um, they, but it's interesting. They announced it, that new uh, PUBG like campaign, like new game from them, uh, which was like yeah. a, a campaign within the PUBG world, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's a separate game or it's 
a mode within the it game. It is a separate game from what I understand. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, not very often do you see things go from multiplayer to single player. Usually it goes from single player to multiplayer. It's usually the opposite. Well, that's, that's how it was like 10 years ago when everyone was like, we have shoehorn multiplayer into everything. And then you also have to buy the online pass. And if you buy the game used, you have to pay 10 extra dollars to play it online. Remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a weird two years. <laughs> uh, I wish it was I a think... Dead Space game, though. But I know. I, I saw Dead Space Creator. I'm like, Dead Space Creator? Making Dead Space game? Oh, PUBG? I don't really care. I mean, obviously, he doesn't He doesn't have any access to that IP anymore, but... Mm-hmm. God, I want. I just want Dead Space. PUBG is cool, I guess. I've never played it, and it doesn't particularly interest me, but maybe they'll make the world interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I'm not really a military shooter kind of guy. Can't wait to play Titanfall yeah, 2. All right. Ready? Ready for the next story chat? Ready, player one. Ready, set, go. Ready? Have you heard so, about Betty? Betty Spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> a way out, Devin Creator. Is it uh, Joseph um, Forties or Fairies? Forties? Um, we're going to call it Fairies. Fairs. All right, cool. Fairs teases next title, quote, insane game mechanically. This is from Game Ranks. Here are just two quotes. Um, I want to, that... so that everyone can understand the context while you're reading this. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, this no, is the guy, this is the guy that was screaming at the Game Awards, fuck the Oscars, blah, blah, blah. So picture him when we're reading this. <laughs> also, he's just known for making uh, co op story based games. That's kind of his thing. Right. Um, what I can say is it's not A Way Out 2, but if you look at Brothers, A Way Out, and the next game, you'll see it's the same studio that makes the game, but it will be something completely, totally different, and it will be way more focused on trying to make the mechanics a part of the game. I believe there's a lot of potential in telling great stories for more than one person. If you look at the movies today, when we look at them, we look at them together. We experience stories together. I believe that multiplayer story games are underestimated. There's a lot of potential um, there that I'd like to explore. The next game is going to uh, blah the next game is going to an insane game mechanically sorry i think they meant to say going to be an insane game mechanically it's going to be oh my god there's so much mechanics it's impossible to get tired of it you'll be like what the fuck what 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 it's going to be like that you're gonna get fucked every 30 minutes it's not a sex game but you're gonna get fucked trust me <laughs> yeah sounds like him <laughs> sounds like him um i really don't know what to make of this because i think we were both kind of underwhelmed by a way out because it didn't have very fun game mechanics yeah um so i would like to know what he means by this because i felt i feel like he could have said the same thing about this one like these these co-op mechanics and they're so cool you're gonna be like what what these co-op mechanics of playing the story together and seeing the different perspectives like you're gonna be freaking out so when he he says something like each other in the game from different perspectives (laughs) that doesn't happen in the game (laughs) (laughs) you are in prison um anything can happen (laughs) so yeah um Glad he's working on something else. I mean, I liked A Way Out enough to be curious for what his next game is going to be because it was a very unique game. Yeah. But this doesn't really mean anything. I will uh, not buy this at launch unless like the polish and production quality of this game are, are of a much higher standard than what we saw with A Way Out. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just like generally not a fan of this guy and his demeanor when he talks to the press. That's kind of how I feel about Randy Pitchford. That's kind of why I'm yeah, not yeah. Borderlands Three. Yeah, uh, the, the difference is like Randy Pitchford just, and I don't like to to be mean to people, but I honestly feel like he does this so often. I don't mind doing it. He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas I think this the creator of a way out is just more of eccentric and just kind of just very honest and very open. 
he's not necessarily being mean to anybody. He's just like he's very out there. I do feel like he's also like unnecessarily crude and crass for just just because I don't know. Just not a fan. Not a fan of the. That dude. doesn't bother me too much. That kind of stuff. D- d- depending on to what degree, but depends. Diapers. Dep- Speaking of diapers, Kratos had a baby. <laughs> that baby starred in the new God of War game as Atreus. Kratos almost <laughs> wasn't in it though. <laughs> Jump into our Sony Quest log. Kratos was almost cut from God of War. This comes from Matt Perslow from IGN. It's like pussy, but you change a lot of the letters. <laughs> Early in the development, the team had concerns that Kratos You just was- love insulting people's names this episode. <laughs> Why is pussy an insult? Some old women go by the name pussy on purpose. <laughs> All right, keep going, Chad. Early in the development, the team had concerns that Kratos was too annoying and that he was done. And uh, yeah, I think after quite a few games, we were done with Kratos too. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stand know. him just from seeing reviews of the game. Cool! Hearing- exactly. But he was not annoying at all. In the no, movie. he wasn't. He was very good. Uh, the quote a very was, good character. The argument was that the mythology was important to the series, not the character of Kratos. Interestingly enough, they stuck with Kratos and completely revamped the mythology. Yeah. yeah. Literally the opposite. Yeah. Although, spoilers. Just kidding. I'm not going to do any spoilers. Um, yeah, I'm very, very happy they went the way that they did. I'm also very, very happy they brought in Atreus and that brilliant little kid. And I'm also very, very happy I watched Raising Kratos. Everyone go to YouTube and watch Raising Kratos. I still need to see that. You are a stupid bitch. I can't, I forgot. I I'll you. watch that tonight. Yeah, watch I will watch that no, after you we won't. record. Yes, no, I will. It's two 100%. hours long, Holden. I, I, my sleeping schedule has been so off this week. Oh, I will still be our up. God. <laughs> I will still be up. Lord Jeebus. Next up, <laughs> Sony is concentrating its efforts on large publishers for the next generation. Not fat publishers, but large in scale. This comes from Grant Huff from Dual Shockers. Wall Street Journal report says Sony has been focusing on larger developers and publishers on the way to the next on the way to the next generation of consoles. Many smaller developers feel as if they've been snubbed compared to Nintendo, who is, you know, reaching out a lot with the Nindies um Versus Sony that apparently is going after the big dogs for the PS5 launch. They're not ignoring Nindies. They are still welcome. But the major focus, quote, major focus is on strengthening their relationships with larger publishers first. I don't think this should be a surprise to anybody. I think the Nintendo has a grip. Not, I say that, and that sounds like negative. But like they have a solid uh, hold on the, the indie game market at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hollow Knight's coming exclusively to consoles on Nintendo Switch. I'm sure that will change at some point, but it's coming there first. Uh, so many indie developers talk about how their games just simply sell better on Switch compared to other platforms combined. Like, it's it's a huge platform for indies, and rightfully so. It's it's really the only handheld system you can actually get. So it just makes sense for Sony to, to go after the games that are going to stand out on PlayStation 5. The games that are actually going to be like, hey, this is why you bought a PS5. Out. Sorry, Powerline. No, meeting. you're totally. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. So this makes complete sense to me, and it is, I don't get a sense it's because oh they've now stepped on the backs of the indies in the PS4 era to to get a leg up, and now they don't need them anymore. I don't think that's it at all. I just think the market has changed in the past seven years, eight, yeah. six years. It's been six years. By the time this launches, it will be seven years. But yeah. yeah, if you think about where we were seven years ago, Sony was at the time <clears throat> it had by a small amount lost the hardware race with Xbox. They actually were... they didn't. They sold more consoles than the Xbox 360 at that point in time. time. At that point in time, and um, in a shorter period of time. 
Gotcha. Well, they still had, yeah. didn't have the, the marketing pool. Like, you know, Call of Duty was still mm-hmm. an Xbox thing. They had yeah, the exclusive yeah. content over there. Uh, yeah. So when, when PS4 launched, one, they didn't really have any big, party, big third-party partnerships uh, mm-hmm. to lean on. They were making those partnerships as they went. They had yeah. a few first-party titles in the works. You know, Infamous was a launch window. They had Knack that was right off the bat. They had Shadowfall, Killzone. So they relied a lot on in, on indie games to sell it. And at the time, Vita was the indie was just, machine. Yep. Yep. So Vita was very was much a, alive. and Well, not very it, much alive, but indie, <laughs> indies were supporting it. It was, it was limping around still. Yeah. But it, <laughs> and it, it also it was a machine of choice for indies. It was. And it also was a great way for Sony to say, hey, look at crossplay. This mm-hmm. game can be played on both systems and your, your progress will save across both. Yep. Uh, so that, that was easier to show that with indie games like Fez or something like that than it was with Killzone, which obviously was never going to come to Vita. It was also a brilliant way for them to say, hey, by the way, all of these indie games you've been buying on PS3 and Vita are automatically yours for free thanks to cross-buy on PS4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So The library comes with you. This time, they're in a, in a much higher uh, position in the console race. They have a lot of partnerships with Bungie for Destiny, with Call of Duty, with Red Dead and Rockstar. They, they have all of these big publisher relationships they can leverage now. Um, and their quote was something to the effect that they don't – it's not that they're ignoring indies or indies aren't welcome on their platform. It's quite the opposite, that indies should want to be on their platform because they have, they're going to have the big audience and they can't ignore them as a platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which gives them a position of power to reach out to big people. That makes me really fucking excited for when PS5 launches. Like, what is that launch lineup going to look like? My tits are know. milking with delight. <laughs> I hope it's better than the PlayStation Plus games that are coming out this month. Oh, whoo, did you see? I'm Mr. Poopy Butthole, and so are these. Welcome to our yes, fetch quests. Yeah, so PlayStation Plus games for July 2019 is Pro Evolution Soccer 2019 and Horizon Chase Turbo. I've never heard of Horizon Chase Turbo before, and I just could... I usually download games anyway, or add to my library anyway, even if I'm not going to play them. But I'm I'm not going to do that with Pro Evolution Soccer, because there's just no reality in which I would play that game. It's just not for me. It's a big game for them to get for PlayStation Plus. If you like if for people who like sports games, which there's a lot of people, but for me, I just couldn't. I could care less. I'm gonna. Those two games. I'm definitely gonna add them to my library. Just duh, because free game, and also in the event that Alex Siler ever comes and visits, he only plays NBA and soccer games. So, oh okay, that's what we'll play. Yeah, I'm much more interested in the Xbox games with gold, but I don't have an Xbox. Woo! Xbox As- games with gold. I don't have Xbox Gold right now, but if I did in July, I would get. Inside, woo, yay, good game. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This is the, I don't think this is a real release version. I think this is the Xbox 360 version that they made backwards compatible. Uh, Either way, it is available. Big Crown Showdown and Meet the Robinsons. So all in all, I mean, still not the greatest of months, but Inside and Castlevania Symphony of the Night, definitely worth checking out. I I already own both those games. Yeah. If you want to know how we liked Symphony of the Night, we have a barf episode about it. Go back and listen to it. We played it. Chad played it. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't even finish half of it. I didn't even finish half of it. Damn. This is before the rule was set in place. Yeah, before, before you holding turned your lullaby. life around. <laughs> uh, EA Access is hitting PS4 on July 24th. So you'll be able to subscribe and get uh, access to a collection of EA's games to download for, I think it was like, in what was the pricing on it on 360. I think it was like six bucks or something. 
Yeah. For those of you who are like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Haven't we already heard of this? Yeah, it's been on Xbox One and PC for like three years, four years, I think. I think it came out in 2015. But at the time when they announced it, they, PS, PlayStation said, uh, we don't believe that it shows a good enough value for PlayStation customers, so we're not going to support it. But if you've been playing on Xbox One, you have, if you were subscribing to EA Access, you get that backlog of titles, you get a week early access to all EA games, uh, and you get discounts on their games as well. Yeah, it's five bucks a month, um, or a full year for thirty bucks a year. So that's yeah. actually not that bad. I don't really know what the games available are, but five I mean bucks that, a month in, isn't that, that bad. included things like Titanfall. I mean, you, you're not Titanfall, um, pff, Anthem. I mean, you don't, oh, you don't get Anthem for catch. free. You get <laughs> you get early access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, Call of Duty, you get early at not Call of Duty. What does fucking EA make? Of they, should inc- they should they should be Wars, including Anthem in that Star Wars. That will help Anthem grow. Oh, I'm sure. If Anthem hasn't already been included in like the backlog section of it, I'm sure it will be yeah. very soon. Yeah. A Cyberpunk 2077 install size is twice as big as The Witcher 3. It'll be 80 gigabytes on PS4. Um, the reason I included this is, is not necessarily because of the, the size. The, that game comes out not that soon. That game comes out in April. If they already know the the install size completely like that, they're making great progress on this game. Yeah, they're squashing bugs left and right now. They ain't worried about creating assets. Speaking of assets, it is worth noting that we don't know the size of the Xbox One X or PS4 Pro with the 4K assets yet. This is just strictly the regular HD stuff on the regular consoles. Yeah, that that kind of old crappy HD content. Yeah, that old piece of shit thing. If you played on a 720 tiny TV... (laughs) <laughs> oh, like did I call you out? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, you know what game, game is good as shit, though? Last day of June. Yeah. Last day of June. Good as shit. It's free on the Epic Game Store. So if you're one of them PC gamers, Fezzed, a.k.a. Busy. Oh, you guys don't know this. Remember the other day when we were like, not the other day, a couple weeks ago when we were like, Busy J, who are you on SoundCloud? You like <laughs> us, blah, blah, blah. Y'all, it turns out it's been our lifelong friend, Fezzed, who's been with us for 100 years uh dude <laughs> go get last day of june you'll play it you'll cry if you're like me if you're not like me why are you listening to us <laughs> <laughs> if you're not exactly like me get out yeah we have some game announcements teases though hold and run us through them yeah so square enix officially announces a new dragon quest hd title which i thought that was funny um it's they had a recruitment page for the next dragon quest game and they're striving to make it uh, more appealing for for more players the next generation uh, after that, we have Nino Cooney sequel has been confirmed to be in development. The Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy hinted at a new Arkham game. Uh, basically, Rock City Games tweeted out a celebration of the fourth anniversary of Arkham Knight, and then Kevin Conroy, the actor who plays Batman in the games, retweeted that and said, "But why stop there?" with a question mark and two exclamation points. Whoa! Oh. And Bang plus exclamation point. And then Tetris Royale is heading to mobile phones. So Tetris 99, kind of the Battle Royale Tetris game on Switch and other consoles, I believe, or just Switch? I'm pretty, just pretty Switch. Sure it's, it's Switch, just Nintendo Switch, yeah. Online Service Exclusive. That's right. That's right. Let's go to you mobile. Know, Diff- you know what's funny about that? The Tetris Royale? I was listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily, and they were talking about this. Apparently, the developers of Tetris Royale didn't know that Tetris 99 was a thing. And the games <laughs> are basically the same exact game. 
And they came out and they said, listen, yeah, it was poor timing that, that Tetris 99 beat us to it. But I mean, there are so many more mobile devices out there and we're excited to get this in the hands of so many more people. It's just like, there are so many Tetris things being developed that they didn't even know the other ones were make, basically making the same thing. That's too funny. So we are doing something new for the very first time. Oh, we shit. Have, we have a Google segment. I just, at this point, it feels like Google's going to be a big player in the video game industry, yeah. so we should have a segment. So this is just that. a segment where we go and Google video games. Yeah. <laughs> I just Googled <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven Switch release date. Guess what? It's July 29th. Can't wait to play it. July? That was September. No. It's July 29th. That's what Google just told me. Oh, wait. That's the 3DS one. July 29th, 2017. Son of a butthole. Is it really September? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's September. Alden, but I, you just read that thingy about Dragon or not Dragon Quest, and I want to play it now. It's my money, and I need it now. Call JG Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW, September 27th, 2019. Okay, yeah. All right, so the first story here is that Google doesn't expect games on Stadia to be cheaper than consoles. Phil Harrison um, was speaking to Eurogamer. He's the head of Stadia at Google. He says, I don't know why it would be cheaper. The value you get from the game on Stadia means you can play it on any screen in your life. TV, PC, laptop, tablet, phone, Harrison said. I think that this is going to be valuable to players. In theory, the Stadia version of a game is going to be the highest possible quality of innovation and sophistication on the game engine side. Um, I, I, Ooh, nice qualifier there at the end to save your butt. <laughs> yeah, on the game engine side, yeah. So, I think if you're spending ten dollars a month for this, this this program, it is strange to charge a full sixty dollar price for every single game. I get it; you got to get developers money, that kind of stuff. But it's just weird to say, "Hey, spend ten dollars a month," and then. You still have to give us more money to play those games. Unlike people think of subscription services as an Apple Music or a Spotify or a Netflix or a Hulu, where like Hulu's the only one where it'll offer additional content for a price. That's for like premium channels. You just access the rest of the content for for your subscription rate. That's it. I think, and I think, I think calling this, I think people. People call this a, subscri- a subscription service when it's really not a subscription service. Right. It's more of a membership service. It is. You're leasing a console in the cloud. Yeah. So, yeah, if, speaking speaking of it as a subscription service is misleading in thinking that, oh, I just could act. It's Netflix for games, but they're not the same that way. I think what it's more yeah. like is the it's PSN. It's the Xbox Live Store. Like, it's... Yeah, it doesn't make sense that it's the same price physical copy as it is the download version on PSN, but it is. It's the same price. It doesn't matter where you got it. You paid for the PlayStation. You paid for your $10 a month Stadia. The game is the same price no matter which console you decide to go on. Yeah, but it's just it's contrary to... It's like saying, well, Gmail exists. Um, You're going to pay... Google a postage fee of a cent every single time you send an email because it was just like how it was in the postage industry. Like, no, it's an online service. It exists in the cloud. It's free access to access that website. We're saying like, well, it's a console you're leasing out. It's not really a console though. It's a server. It's just, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those, it's, it's just such a new concept Yeah, that it really needs to be defined. And I don't really agree with the definition they're giving it. I, I think they, they will make their money off of selling games. I agree that it's, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't it's especially, like, it makes sense for, it doesn't make sense for what it is. It should be cheaper. 
I think it will piss off partnerships, though. Like, if they're like, hey, Call of Duty is cheaper on Google Stadia and everyone buys it there, then they're like, wait a minute, but we have an exclusive marketing thing with PlayStation and now nobody's going to buy it on PlayStation. Um, That's a good point. It would be an easier pill to swallow if they just released the base version of Stadia day and date. Oh, that's right, because that's not coming until the following year. Yeah. That's right. Because like now your only option is to spend $10 a month. So even like their their plan for the future of Stadia is to have it so it's like it's just like a website. You just go there, you you buy a game, and you play the game. Granted, it's at a lower... It's at 1080p quality. You don't get the 4K, but I think most people are going to be fine with 1080p. Yeah, especially... I mean, yeah, yeah. think about the quality especially of the, the stream you're going that you're going to be getting. I think... I, I, I honestly, I'm so skeptical that you're going to get a high-quality 4K signal coming through that's not all artifacty and I, yeah. I do think you'll get a, a nice, high-quality-looking 1080p, though. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, if they just make it 1080p and free... And but I just feel like someone time. who's saying, oh, I'm willing to spend $10 a month to get 4K content because 4K gaming is important to me. That person has a PS4 Pro. They have an Xbox One X. They're going to be buying uh, one of the new consoles coming out next year. Yeah. It's just strange. So, I, I don't know. We'll see how it does. We'll see how it does. And hopefully also, we don't really know... the industry, though. Hopefully. something changes. Well, actually, we still don't know what Microsoft's strategy is there either, so I'm curious what they say. Um, the next, and I think this is a really huge, important, positive, great story. Google will not remove games from your Stadia library if they are removed from sale. So, like, this whole issue with Telltale games, if you had already bought that Telltale game... You don't lose access to it. You still get to keep it, which is the way it should be for game preservation. Here's the yep. quote. It's, it's from the same interview. Uh, now there may be, as we've seen in the past, times the developer or publisher no longer has rights to sell to new players, he elaborated. And that means that the game will not be available to new players, but will continue to be available to existing players. That's so logical. That makes complete sense. Absolutely. For just game history preservation, like PT, remember PT? Like that's yep. gone for some people; they can't play it anymore unless they still have it downloaded on their PS4. Not for me, unless somebody breaks my PlayStation and then I cry. Actually, it's still backed up on a hard drive somewhere in a drawer. So that's a very special hard drive. You I know. know, God, but yeah, I, I'm very much into that. I'm interesting, interested to see, and we never will see this, but I'm interested to see what they have to do like with the licensing and the contracts in order to make that happen because I feel like that would have to change. Because even if it doesn't go on sale anymore, yeah. like they still have to hold it on their servers and like, no, we get to keep this copy that we're hosting indefinitely regardless also, of whatever you do. If they're saying this out loud right now, they've already figured that out probably. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, interesting. I'm interested to see what that yeah. looks like. Yeah, what we'll it have says. to see. I mean, thinking about like the App Store, there are games that they have stopped selling on the App Store, but I'm pretty sure I could go back and still download them again. No. You cannot download no? Bioshock again on your phone. You cannot download oh, okay. anything that doesn't exist for sale anymore. I don't know why I thought that was the case. No, but if you have it still downloaded, and that yeah. particular app is still supported by the operating system, it's not like 32-bit or something like that. But... What this doesn't cover is what if Google gives up on Stadia? Doesn't matter. All your games are fucked. I, I'm not worried about that, actually. <laughs> I think I think Google actually gets unjustified criticism for saying that they abandoned their products. Um, it's, all, in, in, it's all a game that time will tell. 
Yeah, but just here's here's my argument on that. Think about the services that were retained, like Google Wave and things like that. Google Wave was uh, was just a, a basically a text editor online where it would it would um, you could collaborate and type back and forth with people, and you could see live what people were typing. And then no one will use that service. But guess what? That's what document sharing and live editing in Google Docs is now. The product didn't go away. They just took that technology and put it somewhere else. Google just reuses things that they don't have labeled as a product. Sometimes they will have an idea they want to test out and they'll give it a name so they can have people test it and use it in the real world. And then they'll apply it to a product that they actually wanted included. And once it's been tested and it's ready to go. So even if this doesn't, end up becoming huge in some way, it will turn into something else. Hope your library goes with whatever else comes. Yes, and they'll call it Stadia 2. (laughs) (laughs) Stadia 2, Electric Boogaloo. Hold on, have we already gotten to our main quest? Yeah, we did. That was fast. You warned me so, like you warned me earlier, like, hey, what's up? This is going to be a really long episode. I kind of thought it was going to be a long episode. And now we're only like 40 minutes in. Well, All right. But Sex McGee. Our main quest tonight <laughs> is what we want from Breath of the Wild 2. There's a little video. I want you to introduce the people to this video. So Go. the video is I thought you said you were going to. I'm going no. to. I actually want you to see it. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So basically what happens in the video is someone causes a glitch when they're by a uh, a dock in Breath of the Wild. That makes the water disappear. Now, and when you play Breath of the Wild, you can't see what's below the water. It's just blue water. But when the water goes away, there's fish swimming around, and there's reef, and there's like all matter of life underneath the water, in the water. And that was a really big surprise to see, especially when you look in the water and there's no sign of it anywhere when you're playing the game. That's actually, um, I hadn't realized until I saw this that there's no swimming, there's nothing in like that in yeah. Breath of the Wild, when that's been yeah. such a staple of like 3D Zeldas. And that kind of got me thinking about, well, does this mean it's going to carry over to Breath of the Wild 2? Maybe there's going to be like a swimming element, and that's kind of how they add another layer of exploration to the world, because now you can go to these underwater areas as well, and the world is kind of growing, even though it's in the same area that you're in. So that kind of, that was a cool thing. I recommend people watch that. It's actually, it's surprising how much there is, too. It's not like... There's a single fish. It's a whole... Yeah. There's a whole little ecosystem down there. And everybody knows the best way to make a bad game better is to add water levels. (laughs) Especially (laughs) in Zelda games. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Doesn't mean they're going to have water levels, but they'll have some water exploration. Maybe. Maybe. Speculating. Who knows? Um, So I was a really big fan of Breath of the Wild. It's up there with my favorite games of all time. And Chad... did not like the game. <laughs> he thought it was very, very boring. But you're still excited for Breath of the Wild 2, is my understanding, right? I am excited to see what Breath of the Wild 2 is. Okay, so you I have I will some... still play Breath of the Wild 2 as well. Yeah. What do you want to see in Breath of the Wild 2? I feel like this is going to be a lot of retreading of the episode called Chad Thinks Breath of the Wild is Boring. <laughs> um, but shut up, Siri. Jameis Michael Bryst. Um. Yeah, I feel like the biggest things that I want out of it is a denser world. I feel mm-hmm. like it was very, very open. Uh, three things. A denser world. I want the quests and your rewards and treasure chests to matter and feel like you're collecting meaningful things that advance you as a character or as a uh, like your skill level and things like that. And, and then I also and right, stamina. exactly. 
And then I also want a combat system that is not as basic as Kingdom Hearts. Like, I want something a little bit more complex than just swipe, swipe, and then, like, four types of enemies that are really easy to predict. I, I would say that it's more complicated than Kingdom Hearts already. There's I would argue that motion. Kingdom Hearts actually has a lot of depth to it that nobody needs or uses, but that's but see, I lacking. use the depth of... I use the depth of the, I mean, depth of the combat. I will admit, it's a shallow combat system. But there's the slowing down mechanics if you were to dodge at the right time or jump off your horse. or uh, And the depth of the, of the combat comes from, like, oh, I'm in a field and there's grass here. I have fire arrows. I'm going to shoot a fire arrow so the grass lights on fire, which will cause me to, to there to be an up uh, draft in the wind. So I can use that to pair that up really quickly so I can slow down time and then shoot that guardian in the eye. That's where the, the complexities of the combat system are. But so I would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I like the experimentation, but I, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that's going to be the, that's going to be the same. There'll just be new things to fool around with. If you kind of think about the game as a physics simulation, there'll just be new things to mess with the physics with. Yeah, that, maybe that's a at new, least what maybe I, a new power or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I already said before um, when we talked about the Wild originally that I think that. Link's right hand is going to be a factor because he kind of showed in the trailer that his right hand is going to. It, it, it turned green as the green hand touched him. And I think that means that he's going to have abilities through his hand, just like he had abilities with the Sheikah Slate in the last game. So he'll have like a hook shot or something like that that extends out of his hand. Um, and I, that's kind of what I'm looking for, too, is new ways of, of exploring the world that we haven't seen yet. Because How much more I, rain I, do you think we're going to get? You know, the rain system didn't really bother me that much. I actually kind of liked the rain. Or it made gonna, me we feel like get more to get more water to explore. <laughs> That's true. It is a real ecosystem after mm-hmm. all. Got to remember that evaporation and all that. Evaporation, um, condensation, precipitation. Woo! The woo is a runoff. <laughs> and that's the water cycle. But yeah, I think my biggest thing was I just, I really want a diversity in, not the locations. I thought the locations were diverse enough in terms of the, the mountains you go to and, the, and all that. But I want a diversity in the, the dungeons. I want to be, ooh, yes. I'm in the fire dungeon right now. I'm in the water dungeon right now. And have something where it's like, ooh, I found this place and it's unique and different from other dungeons and temples I've, I've found before in the past. Uh, that That's like my biggest hope is I really want that. I kind of want to return to that traditional Zelda dungeon. And I want more than... Five of them, if you include the DLC dungeons. Yes. And that please. includes bosses that are unique and not just plate cannon over and over and over again. Um, I liked, I don't think those boss battles were bad necessarily. They just, the designs of the bosses were too similar to each other, as were the Divine Beasts themselves. And I think that would, the exploration was already so rewarding for me, at least in Breath of the Wild, that would add to that. But my question is how do you add dungeons to a world that we've already explored and like what are they going to do with that so I, i'm really they just gotta I don't everything's know. underground everything's on the ground yeah they but then where... there's a well somewhere you didn't notice or there's a button you hit that the castle flies up and you explore all the caverns mm-hmm. that's the thing too is how much time has passed since the first breath of the wild game six. i would like it six just six six time yep six time I would like it to be, and what I want is a long enough time, and this kind of answers your question about the density of the world, that like Castle Town's been remade. So there's actually like a big kind of town in the middle of Hyrule now that you can 
go find. There's kind of been sprouting locations that are popping up now that Hyrule is rebuilding after Ganon's been taken care of. That will kind of, I think, help solve that that issue of of the world not being dense enough and kind of feeling uh, too open and wide. And I think that also would lend itself to more unique quests when you have NPCs to to talk to a lot yes. more. Yes. And hopefully they give you something other than a stupid opal. Oh, like, the... Like the quest where you like go do something really cool and you get the thunder helm. Like that's really cool. Yeah. I get an item that helps me somewhere and I feel cool and powerful using it. And then there's a quest where you're like, cool, thank you. Here's a piece of shit that you don't want to use. That's the stuff that pissed me off and just turned me off the whole game. <laughs> like, I don't want to do any of this shit if all you guys are going to do is give me a turd. Literally give <laughs> me golden poop. <laughs> I didn't bother doing that. I did all the Sheikah Slates. Uh, so, uh, all the uh, Sheikah Slates. I did all of the, um, the shrines and I did... Yeah, I got every single item in the game. Like all the pieces of clothing, all that stuff. Yeah. To me, that was 100% completion because that felt rewarding to do, to get all the clothes and all that. Man, those Korok seeds, they got to find something better for the next game. Yeah. So I don't think the idea is bad of having these little tiny puzzles scattered around the world. But they were the same puzzle. Uh, yeah, there were four puzzles. They're drop a yeah. rock on his head, put an apple in a basket. <laughs> That's it. There's also jumping in in the jumping in the water where there's like a, a ring of lily pads. There's little things like that too. But then it's kind of like, okay, cool. Now you have to find a place to jump off of. It's a puzzle. <laughs> it's a puzzle. It's a platforming it's a puzzle. puzzle. Yeah. Oh man, I am sitting in my underwear on a leather bench right now, and my thighs are sticking my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that a lot of your things you want are are subtle adjustments. I really expected you'd have something a little bit bigger. You no, know, all those subtle things made it really boring. All right. But I definitely agree with you about, like, when you walk into a, a Divine Beast, and aesthetically it just looks the same as the other one you were in, just a different shape. Like, mm-hmm. that's super boring to me. Yeah, that's why the Lizard one was the best divine was one of the best Divine Beasts, because you walk in there and it's pitch black dark completely, and it's like, oh, something different is happening. This is cool. Yep. And, and then, then you, you get turn the, the lights on. Yeah. Yeah, then you get to turn the, the lights he- on, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing as every other Divine Beast. And then the boss um, is the same thing, just in a different shape. Yeah. That's one thing I actually do want them to return to, though, is is the design of the Divine Beast in the sense of, oh, you go to your map and you have to manipulate this environment in some way. I'd really loved that idea. I just wish they would do it on a bigger scale. Yeah. Like, they weren't super challenging. And I used to be scratching my head, like, in the Forest Temple... In mm-hmm. the Ogre Time, like I was scratching my head, going like, "What the fuck do I do here?" Even when we replayed it again, oh, but you uh, played the on podcast. Master Quest mode, yeah, yeah, it was Master Quest, but it's, it's not usually so varied that you will have no idea what to do. But I still scratch my head, going, "Where the hell do I go right now? What am I supposed to be doing? This place is really big." Okay, let me think about the different rooms I've been in, and, and I didn't really have as much of that in Breath of the Wild. And I want, I want more of that. I just want d- the same dungeons back. I mean. I think that if they can get Breath of the Wild in that world with the traditional and try to mesh it more that traditional Zelda style, that's like the perfect Zelda game. It's just it brings tears of joy thinking about it. I can tell you're tearing up right now. I'm I'm tearing. I'm crying. I'm actually sobbing, sobbing. Any more thoughts, Chad? Anything else you want to change in Breath of the Wild? No, I'm excited to see whatever they have. I think it's honestly going to be coming a lot sooner than we think, too. I think it's next year. Yeah, I think it's next year. They kind of dropped the ball with announcing that game too early and then delaying it too often. They they didn't they don't want to do that again. Yeah, and they did also they also didn't. I don't think they had to announce it at that E three. 
Like, I think they could, if it was like a 2021 game, they could have just left it off and everyone been like, that was an amazing E3. And they ended with Banjo-Kazooie at the very end. El Banjo. That would have been fine. Wait, is Banjo and Banjo spelled the same? No. No? Banjo is B-A-N-O. You're right, sure. with the little, the N-Y-A. With the asterisk, yeah, N-Y-A. the N-Y-A on it. It's a different letter, technically, so. Yeah. B-A-N-Y-A-O. Great. What do you guys want for Breath of the Wild 2? Tweet at us. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to bring us to our end game. We've got a couple of things we want to talk about. One is Barf of the Month. Backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. You guys who support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash respawnamefire chose... I'm going to get water. I'll be right back. Titanfall 2. Now that Holden's gone, I can talk all about him. He's a great dude. Wouldn't say it to his face, but he's really wonderful. And uh, he is a brilliant individual. And uh, I really, really cherish his friendship. Uh, it's really great. He's super smart. We compliment each other. Uh, compliment with an E. We also compliment each other with an I. Occasionally just saying really great things to each other. Um, yeah, he's a great dude. And when he returns, I'll go back into making fun of him because I'll, he can never know how I honestly feel about him. So now that Holden's back, uh, yes, it is Titanfall 2. We chose that from a list of games. Did you uh, that, did you delay say Titanfall 2 for that long? I just talked about you while you were gone. That was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to go back and listen to the episode to figure out what I said. Uh, Bar for the Month. Yes, Titanfall 2. Play along with us. We see Matt out there getting ready. He's practicing. We see Dallas is jumping on. You guys, we're going to have fun as shit we're going to have fun as shit that's what i just said uh so yeah join us tuesday which is today if you're listening to us the day we drop it if you're not get your life together get your shit together summer put your shit in a bag and take it to the shit store and just get it together summer rick and morty you're welcome i had no idea what that was from i was so confused (laughs) by the way we're playing on ps4 secondly Ryan's subscriber interrogatives, if you want to write into the show and ask us a question or give us a comment or have us comment on a news article or something or just like send us your pictures of flies, send us pictures of flies, whether they're dead at your house, from Google <laughs> Images, whatever you want to do, tweet it at us, email us, do it with a hashtag subscriber interrogative and we will uh, talk about it on the show. We've been kind of anemic in that area for a while. And then finally... For the end game, we have Game on Game Show. The Game on our Game Show called Game on. The Game Show, we play on our gaming show. We're Game on our Game Show. Game on. This week, we have something new. And I'm very excited. V excite. We have a game, classic game, of Mary Fuck Kill. <laughs> but here's the twist. We are officially, <laughs> as of today, today is the first day of the second half of 2019. It is. The final six months of 2019 has a lot going on for video games. So over the next two weeks, we are going to figure out which game we want to fuck the most. Bracket <laughs> style. <laughs> so today, I'm going to go through... I think we have six. I'm going to go through six sets of so, three, and we're going to marry, fuck, kill each one. So then the, which one's the winner, then? The fuck is the winner? Or Mary's the winner. I would say Mary's the winner. That's one I don't think there's a winner. Game. There's just okay. one that we fuck, one that we kill, and one that we marry. Oh, and there's there's the ultimate game at the top that'll be fuck, Mary kill for all of them. Okay, I, I got right. you. Right, yeah. Okay, I got you now. So I have three games, six sets of those. 
and we're going to decide together what is the right answer. Do we fuck? fuck? Again, this is totally arbitrary. If we fuck a game, it doesn't mean it's the best game coming out in the next and six months. We have to decide between each other. So we have to agree. Yes, we have to come to a, a, to a, a okay. an agreement together which one we would fuck, marry, and kill. This is going to get interesting. <laughs> this is going to get interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round Just so one. people don't know, I never know what the Game on Game show is before we record. Chad always surprised me with it. I, yes. I did not know what this was going to be up until this moment. This is exciting. And he also doesn't <laughs> see what all these games are and how they're grouped. I, I, I don't know. All right. Round one of our, of our tournament. The games are The Surge 2, Control from Remedy, and The Outer Worlds. Not to be conflu- confused with The Outer Wilds. Who do you fuck? Oh, you- who do you marry? Who do you kill? This is really tough. Okay. Just thinking about these games, not applying anything to them. Outer Worlds just looks like an RPG that looks tons like like looks like a ton of fun in a great environment that I really want to play from a developer who has a really good pedigree. Then you have Control, which Remedy just makes really good action games, and that game looks really, really cool. And then you go to the Search 2, which is a Souls-like game, which is one of my favorite kinds of genres, and it's in science fiction, which I love. I hate you, Chad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these kinds okay. of pairings are going all the way down, man. Here's the thing I, I want to say about Outer Worlds. Yeah. Every time someone says Outer Worlds, I go, wait, isn't that Outer Wilds? And then I also don't know what either of those two games really are. Because I, I see a trailer, <laughs> I confuse it for the other one, and then I immediately forget them both. I know one of them looks like Fallout, but from an indie company instead of a regular one. Which one is that? Wilds so, or Worlds? That's Wilds. See, I, then I already don't know what Worlds is. Outer Worlds is the one from Obsidian that uh, uh, Microsoft just bought their studio. Yep. It's the one that's basically... It's basically... They made Fallout New Vegas. And so now they're making a kind of a in-the-same-vein kind of style RPG, but taking place in space and in science fiction okay. world instead. Okay. So Outer Wilds, you just told me, is basically a Fallout game. And Outer Did Worlds I... is a Fallout game in space, you just said, from Obsidian. Did I just confuse the two as well? Then I think you did. I think you did. Here's why. Okay. That's why I think wait, we should kill it. Because you said what's that's the why one should kill it. <laughs> okay, I, I think I misunderstood your question, but okay, yeah, I think that's a good ground to kill it. Yeah, we I'm still going to play it though. I still really want to play that game. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to be clear, almost every single one of these games I'm going to play. Okay, yeah. So at our, at, yeah, I'm fine with that. Kill Outer Worlds, and then I would say, here's the thing. In terms of Fucking Mary, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the case of fuck, that's a that's a quick thing, and, and I think control is going to be on the quick. same wavelength. We're on the yep. same. Surge and is going to have a long, fruitful relationship. Exactly. Fuck yes. Exactly. God, I love you. Okay, Surge. <laughs> we are marrying the Surge. We are fucking control, and we are killing the outer worlds. But be still. I still want to play Outer Worlds. I have, I have to, to say that. I'm gonna we're gonna go back to our Google segment where I Google games. <laughs> <laughs> Outer Worlds. Google. This looks like the Fallout game. This is that is the Fallout game. What yeah. is Outer Wilds? I actually really don't know, but I know that uh who was it? Jason Schreier is in love with that game. And he's been talking uh, about that game. The a lot. first thing is a Kotaku article that says the Outer Wilds is one of the best games I've ever played. Yep, it's from Jason Schreier, I bet. <laughs> also, another Kotaku article says, Outer Wilds is an excellent game about the joy of terror and space exploration. <laughs> so they, it's also about space. <laughs> they, 
It looks also Fallouty. I'm so confused. Somebody should call those two companies and tell them to so, get their shit together. The Outer Wilds company commented on it and like, well, we named our game first. <laughs> we were public about our game first, so, yeah, I guess so. they got to change, not us. And I think that's that's fair. Yep. They could right. call it the Outer Galaxy or the Outer Planets or something. Why do they call it the Outer Worlds when... <laughs> you ready knows? for bracket number two? Yes. Wolfenstein Youngblood. Kill. Call of Duty <laughs> Modern Warfare. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. Maybe not. <laughs> Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal, marry. Marry, marry, marry. You're going to marry Doom Eternal? We're going to marry Doom Eternal. Absolutely. I'm going to kill Call of Duty. And I'm just going to fuck the other one. So what was it again? Wolfenstein Youngblood. F- uh, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of... So here's... Again, yeah, kill Modern Warfare. I, I could give a shit about another World War shooter, whatever the fuck. I know it's not World War II, but it's a military shooter. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein Youngblood... It's a really great game. Your plan is be okay. One of my favorite things about Wolfenstein Two is it a really great how... game? You play this. Is that your impression? Sorry, of the game sorry, from sorry, sorry. Gameplay Wolfenstein the series, especially uh... the newer revamp of it. Wolfenstein Two. It's actually less, not fewer. <laughs> fewer, not less. <laughs> BJ Blazkowicz was one of my favorite parts of that game because he was such a great and well developed character that honestly made you care for an FPS main protagonist. Weirdly enough. Uh, and this is his daughters, which I'm a little less interested in, but it's Wolfenstein, so I know it's going to be great, and we're killing Nazis, but they're daughters, so you can fuck them with their consent. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that grounds, we shouldn't put it on that one. <laughs> oh, man. And I've always wanted to be in a threesome, so there we go. <laughs> I mean, Mary Doom Eternal, just because it... Yeah, you didn't play Doom yet, have you? Not yet, but I've been thinking about that's one of the games I'm going to jump in for an hour in the next two weeks and jump to something else. Oh no, you're going to stick with it because that game is fucking fun, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, it's awesome. I know. As soon as we I'm... finally play it, I'll play it. That's, yeah, that I'm doesn't very... make sense, but yes, I'm very, very excited about Doom Eternal. Um, definitely that one. If you want to put Young Bloods in in the fucked category, yeah, we're gonna, I, we're I, fuck I'll, just, I'll just agree with that because we already agree with with Kill, but we got to marry Doom Eternal. All right, here we go. Ready? Number three. So, yeah. So, officially, we're marrying Doom Eternal, fucking Wolfenstein Youngblood, killing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Again, none of these have any kind of value judgment placed on them other than the killed game. (laughs) 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 Just kidding. Um, They're just fun things. Okay. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, Borderlands 3, Damon X Machina. I did this because I know you care zero about any of these games. (laughs) I'm going to kill Borderlands 3. <laughs> no, we cannot we cannot agree on that. Nope. Here's the thing. You can we just kill all 3 of them? <laughs> no, please. Nope. Can we please kill all 3? Here's what I think. Damon X Machina. Oh god. No, here okay. This is tough cuz Damon X Machina I don't, I, I don't care about the Gundams and the robots and the heavy metal music. <laughs> <laughs> But also, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 looks like it's going to be a mobile game on Switch, which I'm totally fine with, but nothing that I would want to marry or, or fuck. Damon X Machina, I mean, if you, you could have a wild, crazy one-night stand with a heavy metal <laughs> Gundam, and it's Nintendo First Party. Well, that doesn't mean it's going to be good. Borderlands 3 is also going to be very fruitful. I think along like the lines of the surge, it's going to be an experience that I am going to be coming back to. 
I'll say this. I am recusing myself from this one. You get to decide. No. I just don't care about any of these. You can agree with my statements. I will agree with every statement you make. How about that? Okay, done. (laughs) We are marrying Borderlands 3. We are fucking Damon X Machina. And we are killing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I agree with your opinion on that one. And again, that doesn't mean anything because I'm going to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 and I'm not going to play Damon X Machina. Yeah. Okay. Fuck Damon X Machina. Three to go. Death Stranding. Blair Witch. Man of Medan. Medan, whatever. Blair Witch, Man of Medan, and what was the other one? Death Stranding. Here's the name of Death Stranding. Um, I saw Darby tweet this. Darby of Nerds at Large. Mm-hmm. And he makes a great point. We don't know what the gameplay of that is at all. We're just excited it's a Kojima game that's coming out, and it's unique and looks weird. We know there that's are ladders. Really there are ladders. Never mind. We know everything we need to know. There about are the ladders, game. and you can hit people with things. And you play as Norman Reedus, character Sam Bridges. So it's hard to say marry the game, even though the hype is so high for it. Right. But I do know that Until Dawn was, like, really dope. And I think it's Man of Medan. Yeah, Man of Medan. Medan? That's so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Name it something traditional. But... I really don't know what that's about, but I trust that I know what kind of game it is, and they've proven they can make a really good game like that. So definitely marry that game. I'm thinking of marrying that as well for for this reason. So this is, again, Until Dawn, Supermassive Games. They're like next in the anthology series. This is something you can return to over and over. It's not a one-night stand. Every time you do it, you learn. It gets better and better. Um, So I'm thinking that we marry this one. And then it comes to Death Stranding and Blair Witch. And one of them could be, like, super crazy fucking wacky. And then the other one's Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. It's like, which one do we fuck? Which one do we kill? If I'm you fuck say... the witch, you can't look it in the eye. <laughs> Otherwise, you die. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say kill Blair Witch, just because... Also, we really don't know much about that game. What's, have we seen? I mean, I like Blair Witch. I'm, I'm, I like, really like the first movie a lot. I actually kind of even liked the the new one that came out recently. Adam yeah, I liked bad. it too. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna say, but still kill that one because like, it, it, that needs to prove itself a lot. Yeah. And I will definitely try out Death Stranding. Go for that one night stand. Maybe it's I'll gonna end be up a wild ride. It. I don't know. Uh, right. I mean, there's there's no saying that we can't divorce these things. <laughs> <laughs> or convince them that polyamory is a thing. Yeah, so. and basically what's going to happen is you marry Man of Medan, but then you have an affair with, with Death Stranding, and then you have to divorce Man of Medan, no, and no, then you no, marry no. Death Stranding. Here's the thing. You marry Man of Medan, you have an affair with Death Stranding, Man of Medan finds out and says, I've been lusting after Death Stranding forever. Let's just invite him into the fold. Boom. <laughs> Now you're you're all. What's the religion where they can marry a lot of people? Oh, uh, Mormon. Mormonism. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They can. Jehovah's I Witness? think I don't know. Can. Something like that. Number five. Gears five. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Marry Star Wars. I I think that game's gonna be awesome. Again, this doesn't have. It's not a value judgment. I know. I'm just saying. I think that game is going to be great, and I want to. I want to marry that game. 
Yeah. It looks like a, I, if it's as good as I think it's going to be, I can see myself replaying that game. I can see myself highly recommending that game. Yeah. Especially now that, like, um, all the talk about it, how Metroidvania it's going to be. Exactly. Again, that's another one you can spend a long time with, going back to rooms <laughs> and unlocking powers and shit. Yeah. Also, an argument for Gears 5 being fuck. Can you imagine being taken in the arms of Marcus Phoenix and just let him destroy you? Talk about a so power basically, play. <laughs> that just means you put yourself in the kill category, basically. <laughs> yes, it is also fuck and kill. Yeah. <laughs> is Marcus Phoenix alive in those games? I haven't played anything since Gears 2. I don't know. You wouldn't I think know. he's still alive. I don't know. I think they showed him as like an older man. They all just like have that, big, giant, sure. thick necks and giant, thick biceps, and that's all they are. Yeah, and, and Monster I Hunter, tiny I just penises because of the steroids. <laughs> but they could wreck Monster you Hunter, and show you I just don't night. care about. Monster Hunter, see, but you could like go out and adventure, and you could like do it in the woods while you look for a dragon. But oh no, because it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be cold. It's icy. You gotta fuck will to stay you, warm. But will you though? I don't know. All right, we're gonna let we're gonna let Marcus Phoenix just completely ravage us, ravage, <laughs> ravish, ravish, ravage. He's gonna Fair fuck enough. us till we scream in a good way. <laughs> and then Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, we're gonna marry. And uh, Monster Hunter World, we're just gonna say fuck. Nobody wants to be cold during a relationship. We're gonna That's say why I moved away mean. from Chicago. What did I say? Oh, I, you I said put fuck. two fucks in there. Yeah. Sorry, fuck in the bad way. Like, fuck you, Monster Hunter World. Oh, I, I know what you meant. I just want to make sure you're categorizing it the right way. That way we're not, like, confused. We're like, oh, my God, we're getting tag teamed by Monster Hunter and Marcus Phoenix? <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Pokemon Sword and Shield, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Astral Chain. Astral Chain, kill it. <laughs> Astral Chain, kill it? Why? Because... We're talking about Pokemon and Zelda. That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> and that you just, oh, I don't like that you did this. Because Link's Awakening is the game I'm far more excited for, but it doesn't have the time commitment that Pokemon does. But I don't like saying, fuck Link's Awakening. I just don't like saying that. It, like, hurts to say. Well, we don't have to think about marriage as a, a, a time commitment. Even though that's what it is, you're saying, listen, I'm donating the rest of my time for the rest of my life to you. Okay. I will 100% beat Link's Awakening. I didn't finish Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. I didn't finish Pokemon Sun and Moon. I finished Pokemon Let's Go. You know what? I haven't finished, aside from Let's Go Pikachu, I have not finished a Pokemon game since Silver. That's, you're not committed enough to marry it. I think you're right. I think yeah. we're fucking Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah. And again, Astral Chain. It's another one of those games like Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds. I see a trailer for it. I was like, oh, that's look cool. That looks cool. And then I literally forget about it immediately. And I can't tell you what it is right now other than I thought it was cool at one time. Like Maya Angelou said, people won't remember what you said or how you said it. They'll remember how you made them feel. We are fucking Pokemon Sword and Shield marrying Zelda Link's Awakening. And we are killing Astral Chain. That is it for Mary Fuck Kill Fall 2019 edition on this <laughs> week. Next week, to find out which game we will fuck. Which game is the game we want to fuck most in 2019? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will pit those six fucks against each other and figure out which one. Six fucks. It's like six fucks. 
We're going to pit those sick fucks against each other. But the six fucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do next week. And then we have one more segment tonight. A super special extra segment that Holden wants to introduce. And I'm going to let him take it from here. Yeah, so this is just kind of something that I wanted to talk about. Um, there is a r- really big, what I think is a really big story um, that wasn't big and I didn't really care about it. I could brush it off until some odd things started happening around the story that I, I wanted to talk about. Um, I am going to vet some of the claims in the story I'm talking to you about. I'm not just believing it wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, I'm very skeptical about a lot of the things in the story. Um, but I, I do think that the claims are big enough to warrant discussing. Um, although I see it differently than... I'll get to it. Project Veritas is a undercover... Uh, should, we say, should we say real quick... Yeah, that is not necessarily video game related. Yeah, this is not video game related. And if I'm doing this at the end because I don't want to alienate people who might not want to listen to this, um, so you don't want to listen to this, you don't have to listen to this. It's just something that I think is is worth discussing. And I'll explain why I think it's worth discussing as we go along. Um, Project Veritas is an undercover journalism um, company, and they they're actually a nonprofit. And essentially, they they kind of do like a Borat style thing where they'll pretend to be someone else to bring along hidden cameras and essentially trick this person into having a meeting with them or something like that. And they like, usually do like this to catch to... a predator or punked exactly like to get to, to catch a predator. Um, and I'm actually glad you made that, that comparison because the style gets criticized as disingenuous. And I'm like, it is disingenuous, but like to reveal certain stories, like catching a child predator, you can't go up to them and say, hi, I want to investigate you for being a child predator and expect them to play along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to do this tactic sometimes, but it is deceptive. It is odd. And I'm not comfortable with the practice, but I wanted to debunk some of the claims that they made and I want to go through it. So they have an expose that Google was is attempting to meddle in the 2020 election. Off the bat, I have not found that to be the case, to be clear. Um, and on its face, you see that story and you go, well, that's just something strange, whatever, cost of the side. But then... Google removed the video from YouTube within a day, which I found to be very strange, especially when the the reasoning was a privacy complaint that is valid, but their whole channel is based off of the same principle of deceiving people into coming and using hidden camera footage. If that were really the claim, they, why didn't they remove the entire channel and not just the single video? And so I want to go through what the claims were. I want to go through some of the aftermath of it and just kind of explain why I think that this is worth discussing. Because it's not been in the news anywhere, despite the fact that there has been congressional hearings um, where senators and representatives in Congress are asking Google about the claims in the video. So I just find it very strange that that's not being discussed in the media, given the claims of election meddling, which is kind of a big deal in this country right now. Yeah. Just seems, there's not even like There's not even a, look what this stupid senator said in a congressional hearing and how he believed this nonsense. There's not even that. Um, so I want to kind of go through what they were talking about in the video. Um, the kind of the crux of it is that Google is taking a political agenda and they're trying to target conservatives. Again, I've not found that to be true either. Um, we're going to go through the hidden camera footage first. There's a woman named Jen Janai who works at Google. Um, she's responded herself to the claims. That's why I'm mentioning her name. Otherwise, I wouldn't have mentioned her name. But she's kind of acknowledged that it was her in the video. And I wanted just to read some of the things that they were talking about, because this is all in discussion around something called machine learning fairness. 
And machine learning fairness is a tool that they're essentially um, using, and it does exist. I did find this on, develop, on the developer site for Google. It is a real tool. I've also heard other CEOs for other tech companies talk about it as well. Um, and they essentially are using it to make sure that they have what's called algorithmic fairness, which is that when you have artificial intelligence, you have to feed it data to so it, it has a basis of what to work off of. But you want to make sure it has a a very good representative sample that way it's not leaning in a biased direction in one way since individual people are are biased um and that's kind of what is coming into question here is that algorithm so i'm going to read you some of the quotes and then which engine i said i also going to tell you when the video cut because one of the claims is that it's spliced together video and it's deceptive um and it makes it seem like she's saying something she's not i think that she said full sentences so I did not find that to be the case. And I don't think everything in here is actually as damning as people are making it out to be. And I'll explain as we kind of go along. Are you ready, Chad? Ready. All right. Ask questions if you have any. Um, at a certain point, we're going to do some Google searches and test some things out, too, which will be interesting. Ooh, we're going to go back to our Google Quest log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the dinner, Jenja and I said these three quotes. This is the first part. Um about fairness. She says, the reason we launched our AI principles is because people were not putting that line in the sand. They were not saying what's fair and what's equitable. So we're like, well, we're a big company. We're going to say it. Cut. My definition of fairness and bias specifically talks about historically marginalized communities. And that's who I care about. Communities who are in power and traditionally have been in power are not who I'm solving fairness for. Cut. Our definition of fairness is one of those things that we thought would be like obvious and everyone would agree to, and it wasn't. There was the same people who voted for the current president who do not agree with our definition of fairness. That's one. I don't have huge issues with that on face value, um, just because if you're talking about machine learning algorithms and trying to make that fair for a lot of people, she just could be talking about an internal conversation they're having within Google about fairness. You couple this with some leaked documents that came along with it, and they do seem to have this acknowledgement of, hey, people have biases. We have biases that happen in all sorts of ways, social biases. They include political biases. So it seems that based on the internal documents that were leaked, they're aware of political biases. And this could just be her having a conversation saying, hey, this is what my definition of fairness was. It wasn't the same as what this other person was saying. And that's why we're having a conversation about this at Google. Okay. It's hard, it's hard to know um, for sure because the full video hasn't been released. But I think that's a fair interpretation um, of it. Um, the other quote is, where was it? was specifically about conservatives. She says, we have gotten um, accusations around fairness and that is that we're unfair to conservatives because we're choosing what we define as credible news sources and those sources don't necessarily overlap with conservative sources. So we're getting accusations of fair from one side. Again, that's just a fact that that's been happening. I'm not saying it's a fact that they're targeting conservatives or anything like that. That has been a conversation amongst conservatives for the past year. So it could just be her acknowledging the accusations that are coming towards them it doesn't necessarily say that they are doing anything towards conservatives or she has this you know vitriol against conservatives i don't know um but then the next quote is not great this one is definitely a full thought it's a lot longer than the other ones and this is the one that kind of got me a little concerned um when you couple with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about afterwards we got called in front of Congress multiple times. 
and we've not shown up because we know that they're just going to attack us. We're not going to change our response. We're not going to change our mind. There's no point in just sitting there being attacked over something we know we're not going to change. Like they can pressure us, but we're not changing. But we also have to be aware of what they're doing and what they're accusing us of. Like I said, they can just, Elizabeth Warren even, I love her, but she's also saying you've got to break up Google and that will solve everything. Project Veritas interrupted and said, you have to what? And then she reiterates back. Elizabeth Warren is saying that we just have to break up Google. And like, I love her, but she's very misguided. That will not make it better. It will make it worse. Because all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do um, will be charged with uh, preventing the next Trump situation. It's like a small company cannot do that. The one thing I'll say in there is Trump situation does not mean stopping Donald Trump from becoming president. It could just mean, hey, the Russian uh, uh, collusion situation, the Russian interference situation, we're trying to prevent that from happening, which many people speculate is what got you know, Trump into office. Doesn't mean that she's trying to stop Donald Trump from becoming president and using the powers at Google to do that. Right. Um, that's not what this, what this means. Um, but the concerning part to me about it is the we're not going to listen to Congress. We're not going to take other people's inputs, basically. Um, and that's where my concern is, is that I think that when Google has the platform that they do and they're, and they're this big and they're internally deciding what is fair and what is not fair without that conversation happening in the public, that's not a precedent that I think we should set. I think things like that should be in, in an, an open discussion. And there are moments in the document that do say that, and I'll actually pull up the quote on it. One second. Let me just get rid of some of this stuff here so I can pull it up. Um, where was it? Yeah, here it is. They have their goals of machine learning. And one of them is, is broadly consistent with external usage of the concept. While it's not a goal at this time to release this definition extern uh, externally, it should represent external concerns so that we can ensure our internal functions address these concerns. I do believe that these documents are legitimate, and I can explain why. I do have a pretty good justification for that. That ML fairness, A, is something that's on their website, is something that's mentioned in this, and they have a video of a Google employee. I'm not going to mention his name because he has not come out publicly and stated um, anything about this, but he said in the uh, hidden camera footage... But then there are things that we call ML fairness. Project Veritas says ML fairness. He responds back, fairness, you know, you have to be fair. So we're trying to modify the model such that even if the data for, uh, for female CEO, Project Veritas interrupts says it's low. He says, yes, it's low. Um, Project Veritas says it kind of balances out. He says, yeah, it balances out. Well, what is that referencing? That's actually referencing another point in that same document that has the, um, the goals I just mentioned, one of them being, you know, Let's keep this conversation private. This is in that same report. It says, if representation is uh, factually accurate, can it still be algorithmic unfairness? Yes. For example, imagine that a Google image query for CEOs shows predominantly men. Even if it were factually accurate representation of the world, it would be algorithmic unfairness because it would reinforce a stereotype about the role of women in leadership positions. However, um, factual accuracy may affect products um, policy's position on whether or how it should be addressed. In some cases, it may be appropriate to take no action if the system accurately affects current reality. While in other cases, it may be desirable to consider how we might help society reach a more fair and equitable state, either via product intervention or or a broader corporate social responsibility efforts. 
Um, that's corroborating through this employee in the documentation, which I think validates the documentation. And I was actually able to find this employee's LinkedIn profile. And it's, he's definitely an employee who works at Google. It's not like there's an actor who is paid to be in this, you know, hidden camera footage thing. It, this, that seems pretty legit. My concern is not so much that they're uh, of their politics or their ideology or whatever. It's again, they're making these decisions about what's fair, not in the public eye. Right. Not having a discussion. Yeah. Not having a discussion. And then when you, and I have no issue with, you know, making sure we have a fair representation of female CEOs. Like I'm not making comments on that, that kind of thing. It's purely on the discussion and how it's not being discussed. And when a company like Google is taking down this video within a day, that's exposing them of something. It, it paints a picture of someone who really doesn't want to talk about this in the public. And this is where they think the claims start to, this is where I think it's kind of going is that they, they have a legal uh, immunity under something called the Communication Decency Act, Section 230, which says that because Google is is not a publisher of content, because they're a platform, they are immune from anyone suing them for what's on their platform because they're not deciding what goes there. But what I think these documents kind of show is nothing about election meddling. That's ridiculous nonsense. But that... How do I phrase this? So... If they're making decisions about what their algorithms are, are tailored for, at what point are they responsible for the content that's on Google? Right. When I search and for I, something, is it truly an objective algorithm or is it something that they are tailoring for me based on something that they decided was the right way to go? Exactly. And they don't want to get sued for someone finding something on Google. When, I mean, technically, they didn't put it there. But this is, is, I think, a really important conversation, this idea of to what extent is a company responsible for the results of their own artificial intelligence? I mean, they're creating something to, to enact on its own. Where is the responsibility lie for Google? And that's kind of where I think this conversation is is really important. And I do think that these documents show that they are clearly having this, this discussion within the company. Um about this and i think it's a good thing because they showed examples in in the documentation i'm like i agree you should be treating algorithmic you should be using your algorithms for fairness here like there was an example cited where a, a guy reached out to google and said hey when you look up gorilla in google image i show up and that's obviously offensive and not okay and that kind of thing should be accounted for and i absolutely trust their judgment in, in those kind of situations but they're not having that just dis- dis- just they're not having that discussion out in in public. Um, that's one part of the video. The next part is they this kind of goes to what they're willing to do. They in the video they show this example of when you look up Hillary Clinton emails on Google, you don't get any autocomplete suggestions. But if you do Donald Trump, you get autocomplete suggestions. Um, and they they're trying to say that, that is a unfair balance against conservatives again i've not found that to be the case and this is where we're going to go to google and and look at this right now all right do you want to go to google chad so you can read off the results let's go to googs um can i also read the siri suggestions as well (laughs) just kidding (laughs) so it'd be best if we go to an incognito browser because what we're going to do is we're going to test against google bing and DuckDuckGo. Just so you can see that other search engines Do don't behave the same way. Oh, no, just JK, JK, JK. 
Yeah, it might be easier to go to a computer, to be honest. Your instead of your phone. Okay. So, we're just going to test three of them. But let's do the Hillary Clinton emails one. All right. So, if you type in Hillary Clinton emails, we'll go to DuckDuckGo first. Uh, but I'm on Google. You told me to go to Google. I did tell you to go to Google. We're going to go to DuckDuckGo first. What is DuckDuckGo for people who don't know what that is? Oh, DuckDuckGo is another search engine similar to Google, but it doesn't track you. It's more private and secure. It's, a, it's good stuff. All right. I'm on DuckDuckGo. So when you type in Hillary Clinton emails, what are some of the suggestions that you see? Hillary Clinton email scandal pops up before I even start typing it. Yeah. And again, we're not making a political statement about any of these things. We're just talking about these as matter of fact. The yep. point is that I'm bringing up things that have been political discussions. Um, I'm not making comments about that. Hillary Clinton emails WikiLeaks. Hillary Clinton emails released. Hillary Clinton emails latest news. Hillary Clinton emails scandal. But if you go to Bing, what do you get? Oh, gotta gotta go Bing.com. Gotta give <laughs> them a click. Hillary Clinton emails. Emails explained. Emails corpus. Emails China. Emails stolen. Those are all of them. Yeah, so you get suggestions. You go to Google, what do you get? Let's go to Google. Hillary Clinton, nothing. Disappears. Nothing at all. Nothing disappears. At all. Nothing at all. We're going to now show this with Donald Trump. This In is fact, when still... you type Hillary Clinton, email doesn't even pop up as an option. It says net yeah. worth, college, wiki, book. Mm-hmm. So if you go to... We're going to do it again. We're going to do this time Donald Trump collusion because that was another big discussion that we've been having in the country is was Donald Trump colluding with Russia or not? So you would expect there to be something that shows up. So we go to DuckDuckGo, Bing, Google again. We'll do that order. DuckDuckGo, Donald Trump collusion is not a crime. Collusion memes, collusion tweet, collusion with Russia. We got stuff. What's Bing? Bing.com. Dot com. Donald Trump collusion with Russia, collusion and, collusion Putin, collusion quote. Let's go to Google now. Oh, are you, to be clear, you're in an incognito browser, right? I'm in a private browser. Okay, same thing. Just wanted to make sure. Donald Trump collusion, nothing. Nothing at all. So it's even keeled. It Wait, hold on. Going... I did Donald Trummel. <laughs> but still yeah, nothing Trummel's for Donald a... Trummel. <laughs> conspiracy nothing for collusion yeah so it's even keeled but we're gonna do one more just to show this is for recent stuff too um there was a discussion it even happened in the middle of the presidential democratic debate um of comments joe biden had said about working with segregationists in the 70s so we're gonna test just joe biden's segregation joe biden segregation DuckDuckGo says, comment, support, Joe Biden on segregation. Joe Biden supports segregation. Bing.com says, well, that's Binf.com, but it redirected. Joe, I also typed in DuckSuckGo a lot on accident. (laughs) Joe Biden. That's a weird. Segregation comments, segregation schools, segregationist support, segregationists. And what does Google say? We're going to Jugal. Joe Biden. Nothing. 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 So I looked into why they might remove content 
from a prediction. And what I found was that they do block for sensitive and disparaging terms associated with named individuals. It says, we don't allow predictions that associate potentially disparaging or sensitive terms with named individuals, including predictions that may be related to harassment, bullying, threats, inappropriate sexualization, or predictions that expose private or sensitive information in a way that may cause harassment, identity theft, or financial fraud. I would not consider any of those things that we just mentioned to fall into that grounds at all. I feel like those are conversations that are happening in the country where people might want to look up and make an opinion for themselves. And if, to be fair, if you do hit enter, even if there's no prediction, the results will still show up. They're not blocking the results. Right. But they are willing and seeming to, I think, not be as transparent as they should be in this. Like, why were those, why, why were those taken out? Like especially Donald Trump collusion and Hillary Clinton emails, like those were scandals that have been widely reported in in the media. So I I don't understand that. That's like a, a big question um, that I have that I thought was interesting. Um, and this is kind of where we get to the whole like it seems like they they don't want to have a conversation about this. And again, I think it's because it's opening up to losing that immunity in the law, which is a big deal for them. Um, so one is just again removing the video off of YouTube within a day of it posting. Even though the entire channel violates the privacy complaint that was issued against the single video. So again, why not, why not take out the entire channel? Especially when Vimeo, two days later, because the video was put on Vimeo after it was taken off YouTube, Vimeo took down the entire channel. Mm. So I don't understand the, consist- the inconsistency there. Um, we have in the documentation just the whole we'll have this internal definition based on what we interpret as the external world so that we can help the external world. There's that whole thing of like, we're just not going to talk about this. And then, um, yeah. And then we get to the comment on this article. So generally when a, let's assume this is all fake nonsense. Generally when a fake story like that breaks with huge accusations like that, a company will want to come out and comment and say these accusations are baseless and make some sort of statement. Like think back to last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year when Bloomberg wrote the story about Apple's servers being hacked by the Chinese government. Right. And Tim Cook was like, hey, we looked into this. We investigated. The FBI came and looked into our servers. It's all good. This is not a real story. Um, and that was a discussion that happened in the media. But there's no discussion about this at all. YouTube did make one really... Um, really dismissive statement. And I'm going to compare this to another statement that they made this week as well towards Project Veritas for another leak that Project Veritas had. They said on Twitter, we've had a lot of questions today, dot, 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 clarifying. We apply our policies fairly and without political bias. All creators are held to the same standard. I've never seen a dot, dot, dot in a, like an official statement about yeah. something. It's that's a little like weird. I know I'm reading into that, but then let's compare it to a statement about another leaked document from Project Veritas, which was talking about an election or a, a, a new law for abortion in in, uh, in Ireland, and how search results um, were taken out similarly to the or sorry search predictions were taken out similarly to what we saw with Hillary Clinton emails and Donald Trump collusion. This was YouTube's statement on that. 
We've been very public um, that for a wide range of news and information queries, we have algorithms that are designed to surface authoritative content of all political viewpoints. This helps prevent spam and conspiracy theories from surfacing prominently on our site. In the midst of the Irish referendum on abortion, our systems brought authoritative content to the top of our search results for abortion-related queries. This happened for both pro-choice and pro-life queries. There was no distinction. That's a great response. They said, hey, here are the claims. This is why those claims aren't, aren't valid. But for this one, the you know the the hidden camera footage and all that, nothing at all. They basically just, just blew it off to the side, and that was also just a statement they made on their YouTube. That was a statement they're like, handing out to like journalists as well. The the second one, so it's not as even keeled as as, as I would like. Um, but they brought up that idea of authoritative content. This is something that YouTube has been very very open about. In order to make sure that fake news is not spreading. They want to make sure that content like CNN or New York Times or Washington Post, like content that has a, a reputation for a long period of time is some of the first things you're seeing as opposed to a random YouTuber. Right. And this is where I'm going to, again, point to, this is not against conservatives. Um, conservatives have been losing views from suggestions because of this change, but so have liberal um, YouTubers as well. David Pakman's a very, very prominent YouTuber, and he went from 3.5 million views um, per month to in May to this month in June, 1.5 million because of the change in this algorithm. Um, he went from 33% of his videos um, coming from suggestions down to 17 coming from suggestions, and it's taken a huge hit on his account. This is not a, a targeted thing. However, I don't. I could not find a definition of what Google considers authoritative content. I don't know what that means. They could pick particular YouTubers as authoritative content, I guess, but I don't know. So again, like transparency here would work really well. And when the conversation is not happening in the public, that's concerning. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to, to mention in this was... Again, I mentioned that Jen Janai herself had commented right. on this. And her Medium post was actually the most concerning thing about this story for me. Um, I'm going to read you just two segments of it. And then I'm going to leave it up to everyone else to decide how they feel about this. Um, where was it? Oh, no, I just lost it. There it is. So... <laughs> Here we go. I'm just going to read a few segments of it, um, just two quotes in particular from it. She says, Project Veritas has edited the video to make it seem that I'm a powerful executive who is confirming that Google is working to alter the 2020 election. On both counts, this is absolute unadulterated nonsense, of course. In a casual restaurant setting, I was explaining how Google's trust and safety team, a team I used to work on, is working to help prevent the types of online foreign interference that happened in 2016. That's one statement. The other statement is, but despite what the video may have you believe, I'm not involved in any of these products, just like I'm not involved in any of the other topics Project Veritas baited me into discussing. Um, she's kind of downplaying her role in the company. Like saying, hey, I'm really not that important in this company. Right. And to be fair, Project Veritas did call her an executive. They also gave her real title at Google, which is Head of Responsible Innovation. She's not an executive but I did find her LinkedIn profile and it paints a very different picture than what she described. I think 
For starters, her About section says that she works in analytics, user research, and experiment design manager, focusing on ensuring fairness and ethics are considered from product design to product launch and beyond. Expert in operations management, analytics, algorithmic fairness, AI ethics, user experience research, market research, risk and compliance, project management strategy, passionate advocate and leader for diversity efforts in the technology sector. Um she says she's not working on those kinds of products. That's what her about page says. But then her last, her current job is the head of responsible innovation. She's been there since September 2018. And here's the description that she has in her LinkedIn profile for this. It says that she established and led the operations team and governance structure to ensure Google meets its AI principle commitments in developing and deploying fair, inclusive, and ethical advanced technologies. Again, that sounds exactly like what Project Veritas was talking about. But then her job before that was the head of ethical machine learning of the trust and safety, which is like, here's this one. It says, manage, manage the strategy and operations of ethical artificial intelligence, including explainability, accountability, and contestability, and machine learning fairness and bias. It's exactly what they said that she was working on. And she's really trying to be dismissive of it, saying that, hey, I, I, it wasn't, I don't do that much in the company. But I, I would consider establishing established and led the operations team and governance structure that that sounds pretty authoritative in the company yeah i'd say so she, yeah like she might not be an ex, like senior executive right. but she definitely is a major player it sounds like uh, within google um and then can kind of compare that as well to the congressional hearing that happened it wasn't about this leaks in, in particular but it was the day after the leak occurred so naturally some representatives and senators are going to start asking questions to the google rep who's there and the google rep made the same downplay of of her position within the company saying that you know no no employees no low level employees would have that kind of change and then he just kind of says oh and the high level employees don't have the kind of change either but he just put this emphasis on like low level employees and when you're watching that congressional hearing and it's with facebook it's twitter and it's google the answers that Google was offering were unbelievably vague. They were it, the whole thing is basically about counterterrorism and what Google is doing or what Twitter, Facebook, and Google are doing um, to combat like campaign finance ads showing up from foreign sources and things like that. Yeah, and that was a big part of it too. So like uh, Facebook is like, hey, what we're doing is we have um, if you want to have political ads on on our site, you have to. We're going to send you something in the mail that you're going to have to respond to. You have to provide government ID, prove you're an American citizen. And they they laid out this whole process for it. They get to Twitter and they basically say like the same kind of, you know, kind of practice and how they're being more transparent. They give clear defined examples and you get to Google and the guy says, we have robust guidelines on how to handle these kind of topics. And we have a team of raiders who go through and and rate the content to make sure it's appropriate or it, it matches. I'm like, okay, what does any of that mean? Like you just, it's like saying it's just too vague to, to get a clear idea and goes right back to that day of transparency. And I was taking notes and at a certain point, I just got tired of writing. Facebook had an in-depth plan. Twitter had an in-depth plan. Google didn't really say that much. And I, I just kind of got tired of writing that for <laughs> two and a half hours of the congressional hearing. So I guess kind of to kind of close things up on this, because I know this is not usually we talk about the podcast, but I thought this is an important issue is that I don't think that they're meddling in the election. I think that's crazy. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's really odd that the story is not being discussed in the media as well, especially if it's fake. 
like if it were fake it should be easy to dismiss and and to make a statement on but there hasn't been anything when you have senators and 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 congressmen talking to google about this exact leak and it's still nowhere in the mainstream media is is i i just find that bizarre yeah compared to similar situations um and i just think this is something that needs to be in the in the public and that's kind of why i wanted to talk about it is just like hey i have a podcast i can get the word out in some way to at least get this conversation going because i do think that the idea of the responsibility of a company for their artificial intelligence and how what's the liability for that the results that artificial intelligence is it on the artificial intelligence is it on google is google hands free off of it i think that's a really important conversation to be having and it's not happening I agree. You even brought it to me as like, hey, can we talk about this on the podcast? I was like, yeah, I literally know nothing about it. haven't seen anything about this at all. Yeah. And I th- can you agree that this is a, a, I th- this is a big story? Yeah. So what's, what's the takeaway? What's the why? What's our call to action? Why bring it up? I don't, I don't know. Just, just to get it out there. I mean, I want to – the thing is, is that really people in the mainstream media need to be talking about this. So how and do we help? We can we can tweet out, I guess, and and all that. I and mean, if you care about the issue, I don't want to tell our audience to to tweet out. That's not really why I'm doing this. Um, if they listen to this and they decide that they want to do something, that's up to them. But I just wanted any way I can to get people to know about this because I think it's an important conversation to be had. So it's not really a call to action. It's more of just a, hey, I think people need to know about this. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. Do you have any thoughts you want to share? Because this is the first time you're really hearing any of this. Yeah. I mean, you had just told me a little bit about what it was going to be, but most of this I just heard all for the first time. I'm just amazed that we're not hearing about it anywhere else and that I haven't seen headlines or anything like that from anywhere about whatever this is. Yeah. Let alone the, um, no idea what Project Veritas is. Yeah. They're an interesting organization. Um they can be a little questionable, it seems like, but even a broken clock can is right twice in the day. Yeah. So I and that's kind of why I want to look look into this too. Is I found a single Verge article that talked about this, and it was just dismissive and just said ignore it, don't look at it. it was kind of the, the the crust of the article, and I'm like, I don't know. It's actually <laughs> like a a big claim. I think I am going to look into it, and I'm glad I did because I think that this is. There's some clear hyperbole and exaggeration in there. Again, like I don't think it's targeting conservatives. I've not found evidence for that. I've actually found the contrary to that. Um, and it does seem like Google's being aware of their political biases and things. It's just the conversation needs to happen in the forefront. Yeah. I really can't say anything else more than that. I mean, that's, that's all there really is. But, yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that to light, Holden. Hopefully no a lot more people are now educated about it. Yeah. That brings us to the end of our podcast for tonight. And uh, if you want to participate, again, send us a Ryan subscriber interrogative. Twitter, Gmail, your butthole. Just put a flag in your butthole with a question on it and take a picture of it and send it to 704. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, until next time, fewer, not less. <laughs> <laughs>